Welcome to Workplace English Pod, a great way to improve your English on the go. Workplace English Pod is brought to you by Workplace English Training ePlatform, the internet's largest business English resource for learners and teachers of business English. You can subscribe to Workplace English Training ePlatform at www.workplace-english-training.com and get access to podcast transcripts, study notes, interactive exercises, and thousands of additional resources in the training center. Handling customer complaints by phone. When you speak on the telephone to customers, your voice represents your company to the caller. Without the benefit of using body language—handshakes, smiles, nodding your head, etc.—your tone of voice and customer service techniques are all you have to gain customer confidence. You should always try to adopt a polite, friendly, helpful, efficient, and professional tone when speaking on the telephone to customers. Using standard telephone expressions will make you sound polite and professional. Listening and taking the time to understand your customers will make you sound helpful and efficient. DVD retailer Music Box Limited have just received this letter of complaint from Albert Hui, one of their corporate customers. Read through the letter and consider how you would handle the complaint. Dear sir or madam. Defective music DVDs. On behalf of my company, Laces Limited, I would like to make a complaint about a box of three hundred music DVDs, order number four two two three GH nine eight four, that we received from you on twenty three April two thousand and nine. The DVDs were meant as a gift to our best customers to celebrate our company's tenth anniversary. For the past five years, we have built an excellent business relationship with your company, so naturally we asked your company to supply the DVDs. However, we are now very disappointed about the quality of your products. The DVDs you supplied us are defective. We have received over 180 complaints, which all say the same thing: there is an error in track one. Of course, this caused us much anger and frustration. That is why we are demanding both a refund and compensation for the damage to our relations with our customers. Please contact us as soon as possible so that we can discuss the details. Yours faithfully, Albert Hui, Sales Executive. After receiving the letter of complaint, Susan Tam from DVD retailer Music Box Limited telephones Albert Hui. To discuss what compensation her company is willing to give, pay particular attention to the language used by Susan when you listen to the dialogue. Laces Limited, this is Albert Hui speaking. May I help you? Hello, Albert. This is Susan Tam from Music Box Limited. Oh, hello, Susan. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I've just this minute received your letter about the DVDs you bought from us on twenty-three September. Oh yes, it's been a real embarrassment to us. We've had so many complaints about them. That's why we're demanding both a refund and compensation for damage to our relations with our customers. 
I really am very sorry about that. We ordered the batch as a one-off from the distributors, and unfortunately, because of time constraints, we never had a chance to check them. Well, what are you going to do about it? We were using this opportunity to pay special thanks to our customers on our 10th anniversary. Don't worry. I've spoken to my manager, and he says that you will be given a full refund. Also, considering all the trouble this has caused you, we'll pay for a rush order of a further 300 DVDs for you. That's very good of you. I'm pleased you can see the situation from our point of view. You're an old customer of ours, and it's the least we can do to smooth over the situation. Could I ask you a favor? Certainly. What is it? Could you also mail the DVDs to our 300 customers with a letter explaining the problem? Yes, we could do that. Would you be able to email me a Microsoft Access file with the database of your customers' addresses? I can send that over to you right away. When do you think you'll be able to mail out the DVDs? I'm fairly sure we could have them dispatched by the weekend. Excellent. Once again, I'm very sorry for all the inconvenience this has caused you. That's all right. Please call me if you have any further questions about this. I will. I'll send you that email in a few minutes. Goodbye. Goodbye. After Susan Tam receives Albert Hui's complaint letter, she calls him right away to talk about what compensation her company is willing to give. Albert answers the phone in a professional manner by giving his company name, his own name, and a polite offer to help the caller. Let's hear that again. Lace is limited. This is Albert Hui speaking. May I help you? Notice also how Susan introduces herself. She says, This is Susan Tam from Music Box Limited. We use this is, followed by our name, to say who we are. We don't say, for example, I'm Susan Tam, or it is Susan Tam. Note that we only say this is when we are speaking to someone on the phone. Despite being unhappy with the DVDs they received from Music Box, Albert greets Susan in a pleasant manner. Albert knows that he's more likely to get the compensation he wants if he remains calm and pleasant. By letting Albert know that she's only just received Albert's complaint letter, Susan is showing Albert that she is taking his complaint seriously. This is good business practice. Try to deal with complaints quickly, as the longer they are left unresolved or ignored, the more impatient and annoyed the customer or client is likely to become. Respond to complaints promptly and efficiently. Notice how Susan clearly references the complaint by stating the product involved and when it was bought. I've just this minute received your letter about the DVDs you bought from us on 23 September. This sentence illustrates quite nicely the difference between the present perfect tense and the past simple tense. Susan says, I've just this minute received your letter. Here she uses the present perfect tense, I've received, because she's talking about an action which took place a short time ago, but which still has significance. When we use the present perfect tense, we never state when an action happened. On the other hand, when we use the past simple tense, the timing of a past action is clearly stated. Susan says, The DVDs you bought from us on 23 September, the date when the past action happened, 
is stated in this clause, and therefore the past simple must be used. Albert starts off by making it clear to Susan how his business has been negatively affected. He then goes on to tell Susan exactly what he expects in terms of compensation. This is good practice. Since this is basically the start of a negotiation, you need to clearly indicate a starting point in terms of what you want. You may not always get it, but at least the other side is clear about your expectations. Let's hear Albert outline his position again. Oh, yes. It's been a real embarrassment to us. We've had so many complaints about them. That's why we're demanding both a refund and compensation for damage to our relations with our customers. In most circumstances, you would avoid demanding anything. But in this case, Albert is justified in using such strong, direct language. Susan is happy to admit her company's error, and the first thing she does is to give a sincere apology. She says, I really am very sorry about that. She could also have said, Please do accept our apologies for the mistake. We do apologize for the problems we've caused you. I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm terribly sorry. This has never happened before. Following her apology, Susan briefly explains how the problem with the DVDs happened. Always keep your explanation of a problem brief, as a lengthy explanation could further anger your customer. You'll simply be reminding him of the problem. The customer isn't interested in hearing excuses. He just wants you to acknowledge the problem, admit that the fault is yours, apologize, and say what compensation you're going to give. Albert gets to the point quickly by saying, Well, what are you going to do about it? Albert is clearly still quite annoyed despite receiving Susan's apology. He's still using rather direct language. He could have rephrased this slightly by saying, What action are you going to take? What compensation are you going to give us? How are you going to compensate us? When a customer complains, there's a good chance that they are going to be feeling annoyed or angry so it's also important to calm them down. Susan uses the phrase, don't worry, to achieve this. Then she explains exactly what her company is going to do about the situation and what compensation they are willing to give. Albert finally begins to relax because he now knows he's going to be compensated. He shows his appreciation by saying, that's very good of you. Here are some other ways in which he could have shown his appreciation. I appreciate your understanding of our situation. Thank you for understanding. Susan goes on to say, You're an old customer of ours, and it's the least we can do to smooth over the situation. By saying it's the least we can do, Susan means that this is the minimum action she can take to resolve the situation to the customer's satisfaction. Albert is pleased with the arrangement suggested by Susan and is no longer in a demanding mood. However, he does make one more request. First he says, Could I ask you a favor? We use the phrase, Could I ask you a favor, when we want someone to do something which might be a little difficult or time-consuming. This prepares them in advance for the request you are going to make. Then, 
Albert makes his request. He says, Could you also mail the DVDs to our 300 customers with a letter explaining the problem? Albert uses the polite request format, Could you? At this stage of the conversation, he's more likely to get what he wants if he's polite. Albert could have rephrased this by saying, I would be grateful if you could mail the DVDs to our 300 customers with a letter explaining the problem. I would appreciate it if you could mail the DVDs to our 300 customers with a letter explaining the problem. And Susan agrees to his request in a positive manner, saying, Yes, we could do that. If you're going to say yes to a request, it's best to say it positively. This will create an impression of cooperation and sincerity. Here are some other ways that Susan could have responded. Certainly, I'll do that for you now. I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. No problem. We can certainly do that for you. Before you end a conversation of this type, where you've admitted that the customer is justified in making a complaint, it's good practice to apologize a second time. This will leave a lasting impression with your customer that you are sincere. You are more likely to keep your customer if you do so. Susan says, Once again, I'm very sorry for all the inconvenience this has caused you. She could also have said, Once again, I'm very sorry for the trouble this has caused you. I'd just like to apologize once more for the inconvenience this has caused you. Susan ends the call in a polite and pleasant manner by inviting the customer to call her if he has any further questions. She says, Please call me if you have any further questions about this. It's good practice to end a call in a positive and friendly manner. Here are a few other common ways to end a call. Try repeating them after me. Is there anything else you'd like me to do for you? Would you like me to do anything else for you? Please call me if there's anything else. Thank you for calling us about this matter. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Please feel free to call me if you have any other questions. Please call again if you need any more help. In the next situation... Jane Booth telephones a mobile phone company to complain about an extra charge which has appeared on her bill. She terminated her 12-month contract with the company early and is liable to an early termination fee. Paul Thomas, a customer service representative for the mobile phone company, takes the call. Intercommunications Limited, Paul Thomas speaking. How may I help you? Hello, this is Jane Booth speaking. I'm calling about an extra charge made to my account, which I'm not happy about. May I have your account number, Ms. Booth? Yes, it's 7845758. 7845758. Just a minute. Let me just pull up your records. Okay. I've got it. Could you just confirm your address and postcode, Ms. Booth? It's 45 Greenwood Crescent, Rochester, 65748. That's great. Right. Could you tell me which charge you're referring to on your bill? 
I've just received my final monthly bill dated 12 April, and in red print at the bottom of the page it says $245 has been charged to my account for early termination of my service. That's right, Ms. Booth. According to the terms of the contract you signed with us in June last year, if you terminate your contract with us within 12 months, you'll be liable to a contract breakage fee of $245. Well, I strongly object to this. Nothing about the charge was explained to me when I signed up. If you remember, Ms. Booth, before you signed up with us, the terms and conditions were explained to you over the phone by one of our customer service representatives. Also, the conditions were outlined in the contract which you signed. We explained to you at the time that there was a 12 day cooling off period and you were free to terminate the contract within 12 days if you wished. Under those circumstances, the termination fee would have been waived. I don't know anything about that. Can't you just waive the fee for me as I didn't understand the terms clearly at the time? I'm afraid I'm unable to do that, Ms. Booth. It's strict company policy to enforce the terms of our contracts. If we made an exception in your case, we would have to extend this to all of our customers in the same position as yourself. But I didn't know what I was signing. I'm afraid I can't help you with this. There's nothing I can do. I apologize if you found the terms of the contract misleading. So, what are my options? You're very welcome to take this up with our legal department, but I believe they'll just reiterate what I've told you. Your other option is to finish your contract with us, which expires in just under two months. What if I simply don't pay it? Well, you have 60 days in which to make the full payment. After that time, all overdue accounts are passed over to our collection department, who will take the matter further. You mean they'll take me to court? That is possible, Ms. Booth, if you are unwilling to settle the payment. I see. Okay, well, I'm not happy about this, but I guess I'll just have to continue the contract then. Can you make the necessary changes to my account? Certainly, Ms. Booth. I'll do that for you right away. In this situation, we find it is the customer who is clearly negligent. In such cases, The person handling the complaint has no choice but to enforce company policy. When doing this, however, it is important to be firm yet polite. The policy needs to be explained, or in this case, re explained clearly. After confirming the customer's identity and determining the cause of the customer's complaint, Paul summarizes the customer's position and liability regarding the early termination fee. He says, That's right, Ms. Booth. According to the terms of the contract you signed with us in June last year, if you terminate your contract with us within 12 months, you'll be liable to a contract breakage fee of $245. Paul refers Jane to the contract she signed the year before and outlines the contract term in question using a Type 1 conditional sentence. If you terminate your contract with us within 12 months, You will be liable to a contract breakage fee of $245. Such sentences are commonly used when referring to the consequences of breaking the terms of a contract. Let's look at a couple more similar sentences. If you don't use your allocation of 300 minutes each month, you'll lose them. If you lose or damage your phone, we won't be liable for the repair or replacement fee. Even after reminding Jane of the sign up process she went through 
and pointing out that the conditions of the contract were explained to her verbally and in writing, and the fact that she was given a twelve-day cooling-off period, Jane still objects to the fee she's been charged. She continues to request that the fee be waived. She says, I don't know anything about that. Can't you just waive the fee for me, as I didn't understand the terms clearly at the time? This is now the time that Paul needs to say no in polite terms. He says, I'm afraid I'm unable to do that, Ms. Booth. We often use the phrase, I'm afraid, before giving bad news. This helps to soften the bad news. Here are some further examples. I'm afraid we can't process your application because you haven't signed it. I'm afraid we're unable to send a technician to you until the 25th. I'm afraid we can't settle your claim since your policy has expired. Paul follows this up by referring to company policy. He says, It's strict company policy to enforce the terms of our contracts. In cases like this, it's a good idea to refer to company policy. This shifts the focus from you to the company and makes the rejection or bad news sound a lot less personal. Here are some other ways of expressing this. It's not company policy to extend credit to our customers. It's strict company policy to enforce settlement of customers' accounts within 90 days. We always demand payment in full. We never allow customers to change their policies until they've expired. When Jane says that she didn't know what she was doing, she was clearly admitting that she may have been wrong. But in business, ignorance and negligence are generally not accepted as good reasons. Again, Paul stresses his position and politely declines Jane's request. He says, I'm afraid I can't help you with this. There's nothing I can do. To make Jane feel a little better, he apologizes for her not being able to understand the terms of the contract. Although he apologizes, he makes it clear that he's only a customer service representative doing his job, and his job is to explain and reiterate company policy. In the first situation, it was clear that the customer's complaint was entirely justified. Music Box had supplied defective DVDs because they had rushed the order without checking it. This had caused an old customer embarrassment at a time when it wanted to celebrate its 10th anniversary. In such cases, the correct steps to take are Apologize for the mistake and give a very brief explanation of how it happened. Calm the customer down and reassure them that you will take appropriate action to compensate them. If you are able to, offer additional compensation if requested by the customer. Finally, apologize once again to demonstrate your sincerity. Following these steps will help you not only to keep your dissatisfied customers, but to strengthen the relationship you have with them. If, as in the second situation, the customer is clearly at fault because they have not read or have misunderstood the terms of a contract, the best practice is to politely say that you are unable to grant the customer's request due to company policy, which applies equally to all customers. Always remain calm, friendly, and polite. 
These are sensitive situations and need to be handled in a sensitive manner. You can subscribe online at www.workplace-english-training.com.